This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. A mass shooting, a train derailment, spy balloons, and UFOs being shot down. Chaos, chaos, chaos. This is the Propaganda Reports Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. Happy Valentine's Day to everyone, or post-Valentine's Day, depending on when you're listening to this. If you're in a relationship, I hope that you are in one where you don't feel pressure to make Valentine's Day the grandest, most perfect, romantic display of love that anyone has ever seen. This is an expectation that the corporate propagandists have programmed the minds of many with for decades. And it's caused conflict among many couples. And guys, if you especially don't want to feel this pressure, I'd encourage you to start expressing that sentiment that I just expressed subtly in the months leading up to Valentine's Day next year. Just remind them that it's consumerist propaganda designed to control us and that they don't get to decide, the, the propagandist, what day of the year that you demonstrate your love for your significant other because you do that every day of the year. And in protest, you guys will not be fueling their consumerist propaganda machine. And if you're single, well, go to a singles bar or just treat it as a regular day that it is and be glad that you didn't have to deal with all of that and you got to save a little bit of money in the meantime. Either way, I'm sure your Valentine's Day will be or was better than Julie Banderas of Fox News, who expressed her feelings on the day on her recent appearance on Gutfield's show. Here's the clip. Valentine's uh, Ooh. <laughs> See? See? Yeah, it's stupid. Is I it? mean, even when I was married, I, yeah. I didn't get for Valentine's Wait, are you no longer day. married? Well, I'm getting a divorce. I'm going to go ahead and say it right here for the very first time. Thank you, everyone. Congratulations <laughs> are in order. No, no, no. Congratulations are in order. Clap? Valentine's uh, Ooh. <laughs> See? See? Yeah. All right. Best of luck to Julie there. Also, best of luck to her future ex-husband, whose life she's no doubt about to make a living hell. And best of luck to Cupid as well on this holiday. As I hear, he's having a bit of a difficult time with misgendering. You never can tell these days who's back you're firing a love arrow into. On to the top stories of the day. As I mentioned in the intro, we have a lot going on over the past few days or so. We have that shooting last night. We have the spy stuff is still the UFOs. We have the chemical, chemical spills from the train derailment. A lot of chaos, it seems like, going on in the news. And I'm going to start with the shooting at Michigan State University. I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but I want to talk about why I think it is being focused on today, whereas some other shootings might not get covered the way that this one has, at least today. Here's the story. A 43-year-old man shot and killed three Michigan State University students last night and injured five more before turning the gun on himself. The motive is still unknown, I can't stand stories like this. I think we're desensitized to them in society. I, I think we hear them so much. I think we have the questions that pop into mind about false flags. I'm not looking at this one through that lens, 
But either way, I don't like hearing stories like this. According to the reports, this is the 67th mass shooting this year. I don't know which measuring stick they're using there. There's a bunch of different ones. Has the news covered all of these 67 mass shootings equally? No, absolutely they have not. They've covered a few of them. They cover this one. They only cover the ones that serve their agenda. In that moment, anyway. And this story serves an agenda that's very relevant for today. And the reason is because it's a school shooting that happened on the eve of the fifth anniversary of the Parkland school shooting. Just to give us a little reminder that the problem is still there, which is perfect timing for President Biden because he marked that fifth anniversary of the Parkland shooting by announcing that the State Department, or excuse me, the Department of Justice will be giving more than $231 million to states for crisis intervention projects, such as red flag programs, which allow a judge to take someone's gun away on the suspicion that the person could use it to harm themselves or harm others, as well as mental health programs. And that's why the story has gotten more attention than most of the other 66 shootings that they have classified as mass in 2023 so far. This is a guy who has red flags. Previous felony gun charges, obvious mental health issues, according to his dad and sister. He fits perfectly the type of people that Biden is targeting with these interventions he's funding. And he happened to commit a mass shooting the day before Biden rolls this thing out, making it easier for him to try and justify his nationwide attempt at implementing pre-crime measures. Also, Biden says he's doing this because he wants to end gun violence, which I have a hard time believing because people who want to end gun violence don't typically send billions worth of weapons to kill people with to Ukraine. Not something they tend to do. And I also question his idea of what a red flag is because apparently having a swastika tattoo isn't one to him. Being an open Nazi is not a red flag to President Biden. In fact, he won't take your guns away if that's the case. He'll give you as many as you want. So excuse me if I doubt his sincerity and what he claims to want to accomplish with this funding rollout to 49 states. All right, on to that train derailment story, which I'm sure you are familiar with, as it has been the talk of TikTok and Twitter today. Not so much the mainstream news. They did cover it when it first came out. On or when it first happened on February 3rd, but they haven't really paid much attention to what's happened in the aftermath since then. Here's a quick summary. On February 3rd, a tanker train derailed in the Ohio town of East Palestine near the state border of Pennsylvania. The crash led to multiple explosions and chemical leaks, prompting the governors of both states to issue evacuation notices for the town and its surrounding areas. Controlled burns of the vinyl chloride from the train's tanks were initiated, with residents warned that the air could be flooded with dangerous gases like phosgene and hydrogen chloride. Now, phosgene was a primary chemical weapon used by the Allies during World War I and was responsible for 85% of the chemical weapons fatalities that happened during that war. So it's terrible stuff. There's been three more chemicals found at the site of the derailment. They were found on the 13th of February. And according to the Ohio Department of Natural Resources, the derailment has resulted in the deaths of at least 3,500 fish across approximately 7.5 miles of water that streams south of the town. That's crazy. I also heard some stories about frogs dying and I think some chickens as well. Residents 
who were evacuated have been allowed to return to their homes. However, since they came back, many have reported or they've complained of smells, headaches, nausea, and other ailments. That's according to the Washington Post. Even saw a story of some parents saying that their children's eyes are blood red, which is crazy, and I hope that that is not true. Four class action lawsuits have already been filed against Norfolk Southern over the crash, alleging negligence. What caused it? It's believed that there was a mechanical issue with one of the rail car's axles when the emergency brake was pulled, which is where the focus of this investigation is going to go on. Because on February 8th, it was reported by the lever that Norfolk Southern helped repeal a federal safety rule that required rail cars transporting flammable materials to be equipped with electronic braking systems, which are the new railroad tech that apparently halts all cars simultaneously, dramatically reducing the stopping time. And some experts are saying that they believe that it would have prevented this derailment. Now, maybe those experts have an agenda for claiming that, but Biden wants to build back better. You know, he, he wants a new infrastructure, a smart infrastructure, a woke infrastructure, and modernizing the railroad infrastructure as well as the trains on them is part of that. You can see here from last week, the Biden administration posted a document Building a Better America, this is on the White House website, upcoming infrastructure funding opportunities. There's a number of rail-related funding opportunities in, in that infrastructure offering. One, funding to expand the and modernize intercity passenger rail in the Northeast Corridor. Another one like that, the Interstate Rail Compacts, the Railroad Crossing Elimination Program, Consolidated Rail Infrastructure and Safety Improvements. That's probably where this one would fall in. There was another document they published earlier this week as well regarding all of the money they're putting towards this from the infrastructure plan. So changing this thing up and building it back better has already been in the works. And now they're in a position to really make that happen with an incident like this. There's going to be more regulation. There's going to be more oversight. There's going to be more control exercised over these rail companies, and they will attempt to make them a little bit smarter, if you will, with their smart grid, everything electric. As for the potential environmental effects, man, what a tough situation that is to be in because false gene isn't always detectable. That's why it was such an effective weapon, a chemical weapon during World War I. So you might not be able to tell. Combine that with people who have lost their sense of smell or their sense of smell is off after having COVID. They might not smell anything at all if there were problems going on. We have heard of people reporting problems. Here are a couple of tweets from a guy named. Eric Ding, who is an epidemiologist and health economist, he was at Harvard for 16 years. I checked his Wikipedia. It does back it up on Wikipedia anyway, what he claims on his Twitter profile. He went to school not only at Harvard, but also at John Hopkins University. And here's some of the thread that he's been tweeting. Anyone saying it's safe to return is completely lying to you. Burning vinyl chloride is a horrible thing that will pollute the air, water, and soil for years and likely decades. The governor needs to evacuate the entire region of the plume. And they need to monitor the pollution in western Pennsylvania coming from Ohio, too. And then there's some pictures. Wow, those are crazy pictures. Look at that. This black, dark smoke bellowing around the town. He says, my chickens, is a quote, He's taken from an article. My chickens were perfectly fine before, and as soon as they started to burn, bar started burning the chemicals from the train, my chickens slowed down and died. 
if it can't do this, if it can do this to chickens in one night, imagine what it's going to do to the people in 20 years. They said, let's check which way the toxic chemical is moving, the cloud, east towards Pennsylvania. And then he says, 70 miles of the train derailment where the chemical burn started. This is what came down in the rain. It's like, and he has an image of, I guess that's a car. Yeah, it's, so it rained and the rain looks to have destroyed the car. And this guy says, it's likely highly acidic rain combined with soot. Now, again, I don't know who these accounts are that he's retweeting. If you want to check out his thread, it's at Dr. Eric Ding, because he does have like 19 or 20 different comments here about what's going on. Here's an image here. He says, and hell yes, the rail companies like Norfolk Southern are responsible. They actively lobby to block rules around new brake requirements. That's what I was talking about earlier. And then he puts hashtag Ohio Chernobyl. Here's one projectile vomiting in the middle of the night and multiple kids sick. That's another. So that's an awful situation for the people of that town to be in. Just terrible. Just for some context on train derailments in general, there's been more than a dozen this year already. There is on average, this is, this is I think over the course of the past 10 to 12 years, I believe, 1,704 per year. In 2022, there were 353 rail incidents involving a release of hazardous material. Not all of those were derailments. Some involved faulty valves or plugs and bolts that needed tightening. It makes you wonder where around the country there are other potential hazardous spots. Because it's not like this stuff never happened before. It's happened. It's pretty common, these derailments. But we just didn't hear about them all the time until the rise of social media. And we hear about everything that people can make go a little viral. And now that's just, it makes you wonder, you know, you remember Flint, Michigan, and what places have we not heard where there have been some of these hazardous materials released and what effect could it have had on that environment? The states with the most number of derailments between 2018 and 2021 Coming in at number three, Ohio. So it's common for this to happen in Ohio. They had an average, or they had 255 over that three-year span, which is an average of 85 per year, or one every 4.29 days. Obviously, every, every derailment isn't going to have a chemical spill, but they're not rare, which is probably why that 2022 movie called White Noise, which is about almost this exact scenario here, was filmed partially in the area where this happened. That's kind of crazy. It does make sense, though. They often film movies, parts of it anyway, in areas where things that the movie depicts are most likely to happen. Okay, now on to the UFO story. These UAPs and UFOs getting shot out of the sky. It's been all over the news this weekend, especially after we popped China's alleged spy balloon with that half a million dollar missile we launched at it about a week or so before we started blasting these unidentified objects out of the sky. We took out three in three days, Friday, Saturday, and Super Bowl Sunday. And look, I ultimately believe that this is about China. I thought this UAP UFO storyline has been about China for a couple of years now. And with many of the other things currently going on in society, it's looking more and more like this is going to be the case. More on that in a second. So what are these things 
that we took out over the weekend? Well, according to the Biden administration, we don't know. Some people referred to them as balloons during their press conferences on them, comments which were quickly corrected by other government officials. And while we don't know what they are, apparently, one thing we apparently know that they are not, according to Biden's press secretary, is extraterrestrial. As she assured us yesterday that there is no indication of aliens or extraterrestrial activity with these takedowns. Why do they shoot them down? Well, according to the National Security Council Coordinator John Kirby, they were shot down because they posed a threat to civilian aircraft due to the altitude that they were spotted at, which I don't really buy because Kirby also made it clear why we're seeing more of these. Well, I guess he kind of made it clear. It seems clear to me. He said one of the reasons we think we're seeing more is because we're looking for more and that they've modified their radar filters to look for more discrete, high-altitude, small-radar objects moving at low speeds. He also said, if you set the parameters in such a way to look for, to look for a certain something, it's more likely you're going to find a certain something. So these things have been out there. A whole bunch of them have been out there for who knows how long. And if that's true, they haven't been taking airplanes down up until now, so why are they a threat to take them down now? So I don't buy the explanation that aviation safety is why these things were shot out of the air. One reason that they were taken down might be because Biden got some heat for moving slowly on taking out the Chinese spy balloon. And maybe he wanted to show that his trigger finger isn't that slow after all, you know. Another could also be that they're normalizing things being shot down out of our airspace. Like they're, they're normalizing warfare going on above our heads. The story was like odd to us because... We're not used to our military blowing things out of, the, out of the sky using war missiles over America. I mean, that's foreign to us. I expect this will not be the last time that, that happens as our conflict with China continues to escalate. This is what I'm talking about right here. This is from CNN. This is what it says. The intrigue, talking about the UFOs and the UAP intrigue, is also unfolding against a tense global situation with already difficult relations with rising superpower China becoming even more hostile with the U.S. leading the West in an effective proxy war against Russia in Ukraine. Notice how CNN admits that that is a proxy war, something the mainstream did not admit to in the beginning, but now they're kind of subtly admitting it in an article about this China thing. Even at the height of the last century's Cold War, when the U.S. jets often headed off Soviet aircrafts testing North American and European defenses, pilots were not typically sent off to shoot down unidentified objects over the U.S. and Canada. It's not normal for Americans to settle down for the Super Bowl with their president firing off orders to blast unknown objects out of the North American sky. People in war-torn countries, this is me saying this, that was the article, which is exactly what I was talking about. But people in war-torn countries, they are used to this. We are not used to it. Let's hope we do not get used to it. I don't like that prospect at all. In response to us shooting down this alleged spy balloon, not the UFOs, but the spy balloon, China has accused the U.S. of illegally flying high-altitude balloons in its airspace more than 10 times since January in 2022. The White House has responded to those claims by saying that they're false. China also was claiming that they had a UFO over their airspace that they were thinking about shooting down. I'm not sure if they did or not, but I thought it was funny that they were making the same claim. Maybe they did have one. I don't know. 
So to deal with this problem, this seemingly new problem that's not actually new, the Biden administration has announced, it was announced on Monday that it is forming an interagency group to address this recent uptick of unidentified aerial phenomenon over North America in the past nine days. Here's what it says. The president, through his national security advisor, has today directed an interagency team to study the broader policy implications for detection, analysis, and disposition of unidentified aerial objects that pose either safety or security risk. Nationals, that was uh, John Kirby. The team will include officials from the Pentagon, the Federal Aviation Administration, the Department of Homeland Security, and other parts of the executive branch. Some of the members will be Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. Oh, those aren't, aren't two people who are going to warmonger, is it? And third, Director of National Intelligence Avril Haines. Going to be honest, don't exactly have much faith in truth coming out of the mouths of that group. The funniest part of this story to me, anyway, is that the first missile launched on Sunday to take down the object that was above Lake Huron missed. They, they missed. This was a $474,000 missile when launched by the Air Force, and they missed on the first one. You're spending half a million dollars? You don't want to have a swing and miss in your first at bat there, but they did. And get this, it was originally reported, this was yesterday, by CNN that not only did that first missile miss, it was an AIM-9X Sidewinder missile, but also that it was unclear what happened to the missile. The unnamed sources that reported, that told this to CNN, that they had no idea where it went. However, Army General Mark Miley did say today that the one that missed landed safely in the bottom of the lake and that it was tracked all the way down. So a nice half a million dollar missile, a little treasure down there. What happens if somebody goes down there and, and finds that? I, I guess you can't really take it to a pawn shop. M maybe take it to the one they, they took to Hunter Biden's pawn shop. Maybe he'll, he'll throw some money at, at you for it. You can't really sell it. So you got this half a million dollar treasure down there that nobody but the government can do anything with. I don't know how safe and, and environmentally friendly having a missile like that down at the bottom of the ocean is for the crustaceans and everything and for climate change, but you know they know a lot better than me, of course. Okay, here's what I think, as I referenced earlier. Along with the normalization of the space war going on, I believe it's going to eventually be revealed that those UAP sightings we've heard so much about in the past couple of years, the tic-tac-shaped crafts that pilots have seen on their radar screens are actually, they're going to tell us that it's actually new advanced Chinese surveillance or drone technology. Whether it is or not, I don't know, but that is what I think they will, will tell us to escalate things with China. And this will be used to justify further spending and development for our defenses, our weapons, as well as to justify this escalation leading towards maybe a new Cold War or a World War with China when, you, when they buddy up with Russia over there. This has already begun to happen, in fact. There was a public report released last month in which the intel community said that of the 366 unexplained incidents they examined, 163 were later identified to be balloons. And then a related uh, classified document whose findings were reported this month by the New, York, the New York Times said that at least two incidents at U.S. military bases could be examples of advanced aerial technology possibly developed 
by China. And that's not the only escalation going on with China right now. Just got to look around is all we have to do. We have the ongoing effort to ban TikTok in retaliation to the balloon incident. We blacklisted the United States blacklisted six Chinese entities, five businesses and one maybe some institution or, or university. I can't remember which. But they were all related to China's aerospace programs and the economic restrictions that were announced. This is from a CNN article that were announced Friday followed the Biden administration's pledge to consider broader efforts to address Chinese surveillance activities and will make it more difficult for the five companies and one research institute to obtain American technology exports. And in the midst of all this, we're getting reporting on CNN about the threat that China's new AI deepfakes that technology poses to our democracy. Okay, this is a report that aired on Anderson Cooper's show last night, AC360, that goes through this AI deepfake threat that China poses. We are all far more aware of the misinformation out there on social media and a variety of platforms, but tonight a new way to spread falsehoods. A research firm has identified realistic appearing newscasts featuring AI-generated newscasters who are disparaging the United States. They're called deep fakes, and interestingly, the content of what they're saying is distinctly aligned with Chinese messaging. CNN's Selena Wang has more. Okay, I want to stop it there. They're delivering messages that are disparaging towards the U.S., and interestingly enough, the content aligns with Chinese talking points or interest, or whatever the word is, that he, or it's in alignment with Chinese messaging. Okay, the entire what he just said is also included on the lower third text throughout this entire report. Realistic newscasts feature AI-generated anchors disparaging U.S. in alignment with Chinese messaging. So they're hammering that point home the entire time. Let's see if they actually produce any evidence to support this claim that this whole report is premised on. Hello, everyone. This is Wolf News. What, what you see on screen, for those who are just listening, is they have the video. It looks like a real person. It's not a real person. And one's, one's a guy, the other's a girl, and their voices don't match at all. So this voice sounds kind of like a, a, a robot of Asian descent, and this is a white dude who, I, there's not a white guy on the planet who has that voice. And then the woman robot, or woman deepfake, we're going to see in a second, it's like they gave her an old lady voice, yet it's a younger-looking woman, the deepfake is. So... Very misaligned in the way they're matching voices with the people they have. And as they mentioned here in this clip, the lip, the lips and the, the sound are way off. It's not a good deep thing. Visually, it looks real, but you can tell it's not real instantly when you listen to it, obviously. I'm Alex. On first glance, these look like news anchors. And the top leaders of China. On second glance, you might notice something uncanny. The two heads of state exchange. And how their voices don't align with their mouth movements. That's because they aren't real people. They're deep fake avatars made with artificial intelligence. It's unclear who's behind this. But last year, pro-China bot accounts sent them out over Twitter and Facebook. It's unclear who's behind. We were told at the beginning that this is Chinese deepfake, AI deepfakes, that is a threat to our democracy. And now she says it's unclear who's behind it. But because these messages were tweeted out or whatever was tweeted out by a China bot account, it must be China that's behind it. You know, the same way they used to blame everything on Russia. If a bot account tweeted some message or something, it's, they're just repeating the exact same strategy. 
But this is the first time we've seen footage of an entirely fictitious fake person used in a politically motivated influence operation. And this particular set of videos was promoted by an operation that we call Spamouflage, which we, we've been tracking since at least 2019, um, and routinely amplifies narratives that align with Beijing's strategic interests. And what exactly are these narratives that align with Beijing's specific interests? We haven't heard them yet. Maybe we will now. Research firm Graphica issued a report on this broader campaign that says in part, more videos portrayed the U.S. in a negative light than focused on any other theme, presenting it as a law-breaking, hegemonistic, racked by civil strife and failing in the fight against COVID-19. That's it. Those are the messages that align with Chinese interests. Those are the, the disparaging messages that prove that China must be behind this. Uh, are, do we not have people in power that break the law? Yes. Check. We do. Are, are we not he- hegemonistic? Yeah, we, we kind of are. Uh, are we not racked by civil strife? Eh, a little bit. We, we are a little bit. And did we not fail in the fight against COVID? I would argue that absolutely we did fail in it. They might argue otherwise, the powers that be. But I, I believe that, that we failed because I believe that people were vaccine injured and that they're covering a lot of that up. And I know people who were. And I, I view that as a failure, especially the severity of some of those injuries and the fact that they continue to lie and cover up a lot of the the, the problems that have uh, arisen and they continue to move the goalpost and change what their recommendations and, and pretend that they didn't make stuff up in the past and they're saying something opposite now. Yes, all of those things. Yet these are all Chinese talking points, apparently. This is exact, the exact same thing they do to demonize Russia and demonize anybody who says anything about Russia. In fact, I thought that those were the things that Russian people said or, or Russian propagandists said. But apparently now you're a Chinese propagandist if you say these things. Unbelievable. This meeting is of great significance. They push China's geopolitical agenda. Gun violence has killed nearly 40,000 people. Gun violence. Is that not what Democrats say all the time? Are, are Democrats not always talking about gun violence to try and get guns confiscated and more gun control? How is that? A, are they Chinese? I guess they are Chinese bots then. I guess that would make sense. And expose America's shortcomings. The U.S. National Security Commission on Artificial Intelligence says AI is deepening the threat posed by cyber attacks and disinformation campaigns that Russia China and others are using to infiltrate our society, steal our data, and interfere in our democracy. You notice what they did there. Usually it's just Russia that they attach all of this to. Now it's Russia and China that's trying to infiltrate, steal, and interfere in our democracy. That was a Russia thing. I mean, we know that China had been doing stuff like that. There'd been spies exposed and, and whatnot, but now they're attaching Russia and China together in this attack of our democracy context, which to me is shaping the access of evil in the next great war in the minds of the American public. It's preparing the public for the next tr- three-headed enemy, which I think Iran will probably be the other big one. Hey there, I'm Anna. Hey there. I'm Jason. And these fake news anchors, they were made with technology from British artificial intelligence company Synthesia. Let me show you how easy it is to create your own deep fake video. So I'm on the Synthesia company website. I'm clicking on create a free AI video. 
And for the script, how about let's have the avatar say, hi, I'm a correspondent for CNN. They say I'll get the video in my email in just a few minutes. Hi, I'm a correspondent for CNN. Thanks, Anderson, for having me on your show. Chinese state media has even created a whole team of AI news anchors. They're showing it off as a novel new technology that can mass produce shows with these anchors that can work 24-7. The proliferation of deepfake videos makes it dramatically harder to combat disinformation. Experts say its use by foreign and criminal actors will only grow, bending our reality. Yeah, I'm sure it won't. the use of it won't grow amongst our own government. Because they don't want to bend our reality. These are terrible deep fakes, by the way. Visually, they're okay, but they're just awful. And I'm joined now by an actual human, Selena Wang. Selena, thanks for joining us. So the, the deep fake videos you showed us at the beginning of your piece, you said they didn't get much traction, but the potential for this technology, it's kind of mind-boggling. Yeah, it really is. I mean, look, you could tell from those videos, something was off. The mouth wasn't aligning with the voice. They were low quality, clumsily done. They didn't get a lot of views online, according to Graphica. But what is so concerning here is how it opens the door for a whole new territory in information warfare. And this technology, it's only going to get better. There are so many ways that you... Technology, is that what she said? You can see bad actors taking advantage of this. It's already been used to make it look like global leaders said things they did not. Last April, a deep fake of Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky appearing to tell his soldiers to surrender was widely shared online before the uploads were taken down. And you saw there just how easy it was for me to create my own deep fake, literally a matter of minutes. And when I spoke to Graphica, the researcher said the biggest benefit for, for these kinds of pro-state spam operations is its efficiency, the potential to mass produce this convincing deceptive content. Oh, Selena Wang, appreciate it. Thank you. Well, Selena Wang, Selena Wang is, is a hottie, that's for sure. But no, those are not convincing AI deepfakes. The, yeah, you can make those rapidly, but they're terrible. The voices don't align. You, you saw it, you heard it. That's not convincing anybody. They still have a long way to go. In fact, the deepfakes of Zelensky and the others were better than this. There's some that are far better than this. I don't know why they're propping up that company, that British company. It's a little weird. Okay, so before we get to the final thing that we're going to do in the DMB, which is we're going to go through this right here, which I haven't listened to yet, not all of it, but CNN tried an AI flirt app, and uh, it says it's shockingly pervy. So we're going to see how pervy it is. But before we do that, I want to tell you what is going to go on in the XR. In the DMB XR, you're going to hear parts one and two of the conversation that I had with Sam Tripoli after the Super Bowl the other night. We hung out for about an hour or so, and we talked UFOs. We talked a whole bunch of stuff. It was a lot of fun. It's always fun talking to Sam. So I'm going to put half of that in for the XR today and the other half tomorrow. So check that out. If you want to get access to that content, you can go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and subscribe there today. Also, you can find me on Twitter at Freedom Act Radio, on YouTube at youtube.com slash Brad Binkley. You can find me on Rockfin, rockfin.com slash Brad Binkley, localsproperport.locals.com and rumble slash propaganda report. All right, let's see just how pervy this AI can be. I don't know about aliens, but I know that you are gorgeous. Am I going to get fired if I send this? <laughs> I don't know about it. That's not, you know, a little cheesy. That's, that's too much. <laughs> Learning with AI. Is it the future or an even more embarrassing way to chat with someone new? We tried out an app called Keys AI to test out if AI has game.
So to test Keys AI, uh, Amanda and I, I'm in LA, she's in New York, we haven't met, but we matched and I'm gonna be using Keys AI to see how much it holds up, how much it actually might be useful. Let's try it. All right, so I've got Hinge open and I'm just gonna start with an icebreaker. Okay, so it gives me some options. Quirky, let's try Quirky. Quirky's always good. Okay, so I click AI. You look like the kind of person- Who would make a killer pun about the word nougat. Nugget, nougat? No pressure. I can't think of one. Okay, she's responding. What kind of pun could you make up with that word, I'm coming up blank? All right, so it has this auto respond feature. So I'm gonna try that. Let's see if uh, chat AI can, can come up with a good one. Whoa, three options. I'm trying to picture you without clothes on. I'm going to nougat you up. I could tell you, but it would be too nougaty person too. Is that some kind of threat? <laughs> wow, this is a forward AI chatbot. <laughs> all right, I can't go with any of those. I'm gonna nougat you all up. I'm gonna start saying that to people. Now I'm starting to think that he's uh, not that witty because he should have um, already thought of what pun he could have made with that word before sending me this message. Should have been really quick with it. I'm losing interest. Thought you would have had something on deck, John. I'm a little disappointed TVH. Whoa, oh my God. Man, it's got high standards here, as she should, as she should. Lost about five points on the on the wit there. I'm a little disappointed too. Five points, do you guys have a scoring scale like that, ladies? Do you assign us points? You'll have to give me a second. I'm still reeling from your beauty, Amanda. Okay, these are too intense. All right, I'm just gonna pivot. Oh, she just asked me a question. What's just your favorite comedy movie? That's a good question for I think that's a good question to throw at the AI. I mean, I think everyone should have an answer to that, but you know, curious what uh curious what an AI's favorite comedy movie is. I'm a sucker for anything with Will Ferrell. Oh, I hate Will Ferrell. <laughs> okay, I do like super bad. I'm I'm gonna write this one. This is this is from Wait, me. so that was the AI that loves Will Ferrell? Of course the AI loves Will Ferrell. And Seth Rogen. Could there be people, two more actors that are just aligned with the World Economic Forum global agenda? Not the AI. I'm sneaking this one in. I'm like loving this guy. <laughs> okay, that's the funniest thing that he said. No, oh, he's Like that kind of like won some points back from like the earlier. Hey, how's it going, Dom? <laughs> All right. It didn't even seem like you looked at my profile. I feel like you just could have like been talking to anybody and I honestly would have like uh, just put my phone down like after like the sixth thing that it said to me. It didn't really ask you that many questions about yourself. Maybe that's not really in the AI built in there. Do you think that this could ever be used practically? Yes, but not in its current form. I think it has potential. I think it does. It's got a little work to do. I don't know if that was shockingly pervy. It was stupid. I mean, that AI bot's not getting laid. It, it was terrible. It wasn't shockingly pervy. It was just bad is what it was. I, there's nothing impressive about this stuff. And that's going to wrap up the show for the day. I appreciate you guys watching and listening. And we will talk to you next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.